Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Do not use the show's content as the basis for any investment decisions. Instead, consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick Edelman is an investment advisor representative of Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor which furnishes this program and also a registered principal of EF Legacy Securities, an affiliated broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. This is an encore presentation of The Rick Edelman Show. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to The Truth About Money. I'm Rick Edelman. Everybody's running around real busy this weekend, so here's a chance that uh, you might not have an opportunity to hear every call we uh, handle here on the program. So this weekend, we're going to bring you some of our best, most recent calls that will be helpful to you in understanding how to plan for your retirement. If you need help right now, call us at 888-PLAN-RICK or visit us online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Enjoy today's show. Let's go right to the telephones. We're talking to Alex from New York. Alex, welcome to the program. Hi. Hello. Thanks for taking my call, Rick. You're very welcome. How can we help? I am planning to retire, hoping to retire in the next uh, seven months. And I've been planning and focusing for a long time, and I'm just not quite sure if I'm ready, or I'm, maybe I am, and I'm just nervous, and uh, it's a big step, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if my money's going to last because I'm only 50 right now, so I'm hoping I have many years to go. So when you say you're not sure if you're ready, you mean financially ready? Correct. As opposed Correct. to emotionally ready. Are you emotionally ready to? Tell him to take this job well, and shove it. That's a whole it. other subject that I don't think you could help me with. But. <laughs> okay, but so but we do have to start there. We really do, Alex. Are you ready emotionally to leave your career? I think so. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm from New York, but I'm in Florida right now looking at property. So. Oh, okay, that's a good sign. Uh, okay, good. And you're only fifty, which means you could always go back. You know, in you know, working for someone else in your career or some correct. other career, you know, so some it, other line of work. Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're forcing yourself into um, unemployment for the rest of your life. Should you decide that you know gardening is boring and you don't like boating, you know, so um, so it, don't feel that you're making an irrevocable decision here. Okay. So let's evaluate the financial scenario because that's the question you're fundamentally asking. Can you, in fact, afford to retire? What are your total expenses on a monthly basis? Now, you're moving to Florida, so your lifestyle is going to change. But are you able to estimate how much no, money? No, um, I'm looking to snowboard. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that means your expenses are going to increase because you're going to have Correct. two properties to manage. So have you some sense of how much money you're going to need on a monthly basis to support yourself? Uh, I don't have a, um, a pinpoint, an exact figure. What are you spending now? My, my expenses would increase yep. if I were to purchase a uh, property in Florida. What are you spending now? Um, I am spending approximately 20, maybe 2,500 
Okay. And how much money do you have? 2000 a month. I'd say 2000 Okay. No, no we're going to say 2500 because mm, yeah. that's where you started. In fact, it's probably <laughs> three 3, grand. 3000 yeah. <laughs> So um, you, since you're retiring at 50, I'm assuming that you are going to receive a pension. You work for a state or municipal government? Correct. Correct. What's your pension going to provide you? Um, that is undetermined at this time. No, it isn't. Appro- approximately... Approximately twelve, uh, about one hundred and twenty-seven thousand a year. All right. So, Alex, uh, this is not undetermined as yet. You can go to your uh, union, and they will tell you exactly to the penny how much money you're, you're going right. to get. That is correct. But it would it would it would be dependent upon question B that I had for you whether I should take the the final money out of my pension which you are allowed to do and then that would reduce my my monthly or yearly got number. it that's that's a very important point it's a detail we'll get to later but bottom line okay. is this you're going to get about 10 grand a month is what you're saying yeah probably yeah yeah probably 12 so explain to me the problem here taxes. you're spending 3 grand a month your pension is 10 grand a month hello <laughs> right what are you worried about yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then you have to you you would have to reduce take out the federal taxes as well, which could be about another two grand. Great. Now you're down to eight grand a month. Still doing the math in my head. I think we're still above three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Let's assume that be, that you double your expenses by buying a property in Florida on top of the property in New York. Your expenses won't double because right. you're not going to eat double the meals. But let's pretend they do. Now you're at six grand in expenses. Your pension is still eight. Do you have any money in savings and investments? Yeah, quite a bit. How much? Um, uh, combined with everything? Yes. Probably about 1.2. 1.2 million. And on how much money can she generate monthly? That's not that's not including the value of my home. Oh, of course not. Well, but you're not selling your home. You just said you're snowboarding, so you're going to keep correct. it. So, so don't include correct. that. Isabel, how much money do you think Alex could generate on a monthly basis on a $1.2 million asset? Well, before tax, assuming it's IRA, let's say $4,000 a month on top of her 10000 that she's getting from her pension. So, I mean, Alex, grand Alex are you married? No. I got some guys who might want to get to <laughs> know you a little. Um, yeah, one oh of them's boy. in this room. Um, I'm not talking about That's me. That's a whole other headache. <laughs> yeah, that could be much more expensive than buying a house, let me tell you. Uh, so bottom line, Alex, you're in fabulous financial shape. Congratulations. Good for you. This is remarkable. Most folks with pensions haven't accumulated any savings. You've got $1.2 million bucks. This is. I'm very proud of you. Good for you. Yeah, I was very focused. Uh, uh, that's very obvious. So here's what we need to do. We have some real serious decisions to make. Number one, when do you start taking the pension? Number two, do you take the lump sum option? That's uh, big, yeah. That's a, big, that's a really big question. Number three, how do we manage the $1.2 million that you have in savings and investments? Uh, let's make sure that money is properly invested and diversified so that it can provide you additional income. Let's examine your lifestyle because you, quite frankly, have far more money than you will ever spend in your lifetime. So let's decide what you want to do with, those, with that money, either in the, uh, in, you know, evaluate how expensive a home you're, you can afford to buy in Florida uh, or other changes in your lifestyle. What 
activities do you have planned for community support, charitable activity, philanthropy, etc.? Are there family members or relatives that you want to provide financial assistance to? Yes, we need- yes, yes. So yes, we, we need to I do... Would, I would like to answer yes to all of those questions. Wonderful. So we, that's what the financial planning process is all about. You've done the hard part, which is accumulating the wealth. Now we need to deal with the analysis and the recommendations, and that's our job. You don't have to worry okay. about that. That's not your expertise. You don't have to waste time or energy on that. You delegate that to us, and we can help you with all of those answers to tell you what price point of a house you should you should plan on buying in Florida, how much you can truly expect to spend on an annual basis between snowboarding, and help you design a lifestyle based on the spending capabilities, your charitable activities, family support, and all that kind of good stuff with estate planning uh, and everything else. So um, we have offices both in New York and in Florida, so we can help you either place uh, as you choose. Just call us at the same phone number you dialed here today, 888-PLAN-RIC, and we'll sit down with you and help you figure this out. You need to do it now before you tell those folks that you're hitting the road. Now, the, that final question, though, about taking that, uh, that final withdrawal from your pension um, is a very difficult pension that everyone that I know and work with always, uh, you know, is sort of on the fence and right. it's it's a, no one can answer it because it's kind of personal for you and uh, and I'm just not sure if I should leave that money in my pension or I should take it out and opt for a reduced pension and therefore it would be reducing my pension by a few thousand a month. So Alex, but I'm going be, to It would be approximately you know Alex. like Alex $350,000. Alex, I'm, I'm going to agree and disagree with you. Yes, everyone who's dealing with a pension and struggling with the answer to that question does feel that it's a difficult, challenging question. You're right. Everybody does feel that it's an emotional, based on my circumstances question. You're right. That's how everybody feels who has a pension and situation as you do. But everybody's wrong when they say, it's all up to their personal circumstance and it's emotionally driven. It is not. It is straight arithmetic. It okay. is a mathematical calculation. It has, it, emotion should have nothing to do with it because very often people will, in fact, make an emotion-based decision that proves to be the wrong financial decision. And that is why you shouldn't make this decision on your own, but you should allow us to assist you with it. We can show you the analysis and help you understand why it isn't the emotional decision that you think it is. And as you note, it's an irrevocable choice. Once you send in the paperwork, you're done. You can't change your mind, ever. That is correct. And that's why you're so freaking out about it, because, oh, my goodness, it's a $300,000 decision and a big implication in your life. It's not nearly as traumatic as you're laying it out to be. It's not nearly as complicated as you think it is when you know how to analyze it and evaluate it correctly. We've done this thousands of times for folks all over the country who have pensions from their employers or their state or, or municipal government. So we can walk walk it through with you and show you clearly, simply, easily what the right decision should be in your case. Okay? Okay. So uh, what we would encourage you to do is sit down with us. Um, I'm going to, in fact, if you like, put you on hold and we'll set it up to have someone uh, chat with you from our office so that we can help you tackle all of the questions that you're facing. All of them good, fun questions, all thanks to your hard work and dedicated efforts over the past 25 years. Good for you. 
Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Alex. And uh, you can do what Alex did and call us at 888-PLAN-RIC. If you're facing a pension question, you don't have to face it alone. It's the first time you've ever dealt with it, but it ain't the first time we have. Take advantage of our experience and our expertise. 888-PLAN-RIC. That's 888-752-6742. Online at ricedelman.com. Named by Talkers Magazine as one of the heavy hundred talk show hosts in America, this is The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Our seminar, we're staging all across the country right now to help you successfully navigate your journey to retirement. In this seminar, you'll learn the roadblocks and detours you're likely to encounter to and through retirement and how you can overcome them and the kind of investment strategy you need to deal with this. The seminar is just $15 a person, $25 a couple. You can register online at rickedelman.com and get the full seminar schedule right there. Just click on the Seminars button at rickedelman.com. You can also do it over the phone at 888-PLAN-RICK. Brandon Corso, my colleague at Edelman Financial Services, Executive Director of Financial Planning, is with me in the studio. We're taking telephone calls off to talk with Mike. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the program. How can we help? Well, I've got two large um, home projects that I'm going to be doing, and I was going to use my home equity line to do them, but now that... uh, it's not deductible. I wanted to see what you guys thought about uh, that change that, that they've done. And now I don't have a long mortgage and I was using uh, my home equity line as, um, you know, things that I could use for deductions. Mike, you're referring to some tax law changes that happened this year, 2018. And the changes yeah. did, did impact home equity lines and also first mortgages, the rules are a little bit different. However, there's a lot of confusion out there. We've been getting calls from people uh, over the last couple of months asking for clarification. So uh, I think I've got some good news for you. You mentioned that you want to borrow from your home equity line to improve the house. Is that correct? Yes. Well, if you do that, the interest is still deductible. What has changed it- with home equity lines is if you borrow to uh, pay off student debt or to buy a new car or, or, or it's not. And so now the change is it depends on how you use the money. So you should keep good records of the expenses on the house in case the IRS ever asks, but you'll explain it to your CPA. And the good news is the interest would continue to be deductible. That's wonderful. So congratulations, Mike. Uh, you got some good news here from us, which is pretty rare uh, when it comes to tax law. Um, so good for you. And it is really important for folks to understand that the rules have changed. The complexity, as Brendan said, has skyrocketed. And you should debt professional financial and tax advice before taking any action. So make sure you have a professional tax preparer. Brandon mentioned a CPA. You could also use a tax attorney or an EA, an enrolled agent. Any of those three are who we recommend that our clients use, that you use as well. And simple reason, only those three, CPA, enrolled agent, or tax attorney, are able to represent you with the IRS if you are ever audited. So if you have somebody else okay. doing your tax return, like a family friend or your brother-in-law, uh, and they're not especially being compensated for doing it, you're on your own when it comes to uh, being audited. So 
Always work okay. with a professional, get the clarification in advance, and that way you'll be safest. I, I do have a CPA, so that works perfectly. I have one more quick question about it, though. Um, what about the existing balance? What did you use the money for when you uh, took it out? I bought a car. <laughs> uh-oh. I bought, I bought two cars, actually. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then, and then I used some of it to, uh, for a roof on a rental house. Maybe, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, so the first two, definitely the interest on that is no longer deductible because you didn't use it for the uh, improvement of your home. Also, okay. uh, but if you've got, if you use money for improvements on a rental, well, that, whole, that is an entirely different schedule on the tax return. Yeah, so uh-huh. it goes into just how complicated this is, Mike. And, you know, a financial advisor might be able to help you in one sense, and that is that it sounds like we haven't talked about how much you're borrowing or what the balance is, but I'd be more curious in perhaps a meeting to sit down and look at the balances you've got. How much do you plan to pull out? How long do you plan to stay in your primary home? Do you plan to keep the rental? Because ultimately, the bigger that home equity becomes, it might make more sense to actually get a traditional mortgage on the property. And the reason is a home Mm -hmm. equity loan uh, has an interest rate that changes from time to time. And the term of the loan is generally not as long. uh, So it's not fixed and it's not as long, which means the monthly payment is higher and can get even higher still if interest rates rise. So, But for both of those reasons, Brandon says, and I agree, to potentially consider converting to a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Any other questions, Mike, on that regard? No, I think that's that's pretty much it. That's what I'm worried about is just the deductibility on that stuff. And I know you said that uh, interest rates can rise, so that's another thing I was worried about. Terrific. Well, I'm glad we were able to help you, Mike. Thank you so much. Be sure to talk with your tax advisor and touch base with us as a financial advisor. We've got an office not far from you in San Diego where we can take a look, as Brandon says, at the broader picture of what you're doing and what's going on to help make sure the advice you're getting is comprehensive and considering all the issues. So thank you so much for the phone call. You know, it's fascinating, Brandon. This is one of the most complicated aspects of homeownership. What is the deductibility of my mortgage? There's a difference between acquisition debt and refinance debt. There's a difference as to whether the money being used is, in fact, in the category of deductibility. He said that he's using the money for improvements. But, of course, improvements are not in the eye of the beholder. Uh, The IRS has a very specific definition of what's an improvement versus what's a repair. Absolutely. And it makes all the difference in the world on the deductibility. And that's why if you're working with the CPA, they're going to ask the right questions. They're going to say, what did you use the money for? Oh, well, that's questionable. That's safe. That's not so safe. You know, I mentioned earlier, we're getting a lot of calls because of the tax law changes. And I'm going to make a prediction. It's not going to go away. Right. Anytime you have a massive rewrite to the tax code, here we are talking about the uh, complexities of just this one issue. Well, there's a lot of other issues that have changed with taxes. And so that's something that throughout 2018, and quite frankly, beyond that, we're going to have a lot of conversations with clients or people reaching out that need some assistance. So if you have questions related to the tax changes, what it's going to be like in 2018, how it impacts perhaps your financial plan, do reach out to us. We welcome the opportunity to talk about it and try to give you the answers you need to make sure that you're taking advantage of, of everything that you can related to how the changes are going to impact you from a tax perspective. And just to give you an idea of how complex this can get, if you have, uh, like he mentioned, he's putting a new roof on a rental house. Is that an improvement or a repair? 
I would think it's a repair. And exactly. that goes back to uh, what you were alluding to is, you know, the IRS has a definition for an improvement that's going to be different than what most taxpayers want it to be. Exactly. You um, replace your refrigerator and oven and stove. Repair or improvement? Repair. If you expand the kitchen to add a nook where you can add a kitchen table. Improvement. If you add a swimming pool to the house. Improvement. If you redo the swimming pool. Repair. If you repave the driveway, simultaneously making it larger. Perhaps half and half. <laughs> so you see where it gets very dicey. And what a lot of folks would say is an improvement. After all, if I improve the driveway, it increases the market value of the house. Uh, the IRS isn't always going to agree with that. You know, the one that people always ask about is repainting. You know, you're spending a lot of money to paint the interior or exterior of the house. You want it to be an improvement. Sorry. Exactly. So make sure you get it right, and don't try to do this at home. Don't try to do this on your own. Call us instead at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. You can visit us online as well. Go to rickedelman.com, ricedelman.com. Click that red button, schedule a call is what it says, and you can set a time that's convenient for you, and we'll call you when you want us to. It makes it, it, makes it really easy for you. 888-PLAN-RICK or online at rickedelman.com. Stay with us for more. with the author of the New York Times. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Rick Edelman here. Brandon Corso on The Truth About Money. We're taking telephone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. Off to Danville, California. Wade, welcome to the program. Oh, hello there. How are you? Doing fabulous, thank you. How can we help? Well, I I have three annuities that my advisor had told me to um, that I needed to go into. Initially, I had all of my investments in Vanguard annuities with another advisor, and my other guy was an independent guy. And apparently, I needed to put all of uh, this money that was in the Vanguard annuity into new annuities and um i ended up with three of them um although apparently they're supposed to be really good with uh seven percent guaranteed return when you moved the money out of the vanguard annuity did you incur any surrender schedule any any surrender fees i no i don't think i did no okay what were the expenses of the Vanguard annuity, and what are the expenses of the new annuities that you have? Did your new advisor show you the difference between the old and the new? Uh, that he didn't show me. Yeah. And Wade, how old are you? Uh, 59. How old were you when you made the change from the Vanguard annuity to the new annuities? Uh, that was in 2012, so uh, six years ago, 56, maybe, uh, I'm sorry, 53, Got 52. It. Uh, Brandon, I'm wondering if churning is involved here. 
Yeah, you've got to wonder because we see churning often with annuities, unfortunately. So tell everybody um, what that is. Churning is moving from one investment to another for the main purpose of earning a commission for the person selling it. And so that is why Rick is asking, Wade, do you feel like you understand the investments? It's called a lifeguard freedom flex with 7% Got it. Uh, guaranteed. Wade, you are not getting a 7% guaranteed return. You're getting a guarantee that you can withdraw at least 7% per year of the investment at its original starting point when you bought it. And that's very different from saying, I'm earning 7% a year. Because you know, in a world where bank CDs are paying one, for this insurance company to be offering seven is in the category of too good to be true, isn't it? He convinced me at the time that uh, for this amount, we needed to put it in there because it was already in there. So did I not have to go in from a Vanguard annuity into these specific ones? Not at all. Or... You could have kept the Vanguard annuity. There was no requirement that you leave that, and that's why I began this conversation wondering if you've been churned, which is a violation of state insurance regulations, which is where an agent, as Brandon said, moves you from one annuity to another simply so he can earn a commission. There was nothing in it for him for you to leave the money at Vanguard. But as soon as you move that money over, he might have earned yeah. a commission of maybe twenty grand. Oh, yeah. No, I, I believe that's what happened, too. So it's a conflict of interest, it's worse if it's undisclosed, and it's even worse if it was damaging to your financial well-being. So it's worth evaluating all of this to see if it's there. If it's in the most egregious of cases, you can actually file a complaint with state uh, insurance regulators and FINRA. Right. Are these, I mean, okay, you know, what's happened here is is one thing, Uh, are these not good uh, investments for, you know, 40% or 30% of my portfolio to have these two, you know, these three guaranteed incomes. If, if things got really bad, these are, are not a good idea at all. So, Wade, it's hard for us to give you a really firm, definitive answer to that question because we're not doing a financial plan for you. What I will say okay. is for our clients, when we do sit down and do a full plan, this is very unusual. And so I would urge you to understand these investments. If you're not getting complete answers from your existing advisor, get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. One final thing about that second opinion. If you go get a second mm-hmm. opinion, don't get a second opinion only on these annuities because you mentioned you've got other accounts, and people make that mistake. They want to look at one account here or one account there. You want to look at everything collectively because, really, yeah. what you're doing on the other accounts might impact what makes sense to do with these annuities that you have. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying, and, and, and at the time when and what he did explain to me is is it made sense because the others were you know just in the stock market and this was a guaranteed thing and it had this seven percent you know step up or whatever that was it was actually at the time he said it was going away it was only offered for the next six months or three months and they were going to change this seven percent step up or whatever it was to five uh, percent or something like that i remember it was some sort of hurry up and do it now and that's uh, a red flag itself anytime anybody's giving you high pressure you need to act fast you need to get in on this before it's too late that's usually a red flag hmm Okay. Take it a step. Okay. Take it one step further uh, about the income. It sounds really great. Seven percent income stream. 
Keep in mind that in many of these contracts, once you begin generating that income, that income is then fixed. It will not grow over time, which means as you age, inflation takes its toll. That's one of the big problems with these so-called guarantees. Yeah, they give you a guarantee, but they're simply guaranteeing that you're not going to get enough. Well, I looked at the, the total amount, and I divided it by 25 years, and um, uh, I, I, could, I, I could just take the principal out for, for 25 years and, and have more than that. You know, so it, uh, you know, I guess if you want to pass it on to your, your, your heirs, you know, um, that's, that's one way to do it. But, so, you know, it seemed like I could just withdraw from principal and that the principal would also grow and I could end up with more than this 7% easily just, just taking from principal. No, 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 no. Wait, that's not how these products work. Once you decide to take the 7% guaranteed return, you are giving up your rights to principal forever. When you die, there's nothing left for your heirs. Oh. Now, that's not the case in every one of these contracts. Again, this is further reason to go back right. to your advisor and get clarification to make sure you truly understand how this thing works. And I'm not convinced he's going to yeah. give you the full, objective, comprehensive answers that you need. So getting a second opinion is likely the better course of action. We've got an office in Walnut Creek, you know, 15 mm -hmm. minutes from you. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, you live in California. An hour and a half from you. Um, so no, 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 That's, that, that is 15 minutes from me oh. so, in Walla Creek. So um, what we need to do is take a look so. at these contracts. We can tell you exactly what they say. We can put you in direct contact with the insurance company that you, so that you get the answers you need. And you, with that information, you can then decide how you feel about them. Right, yeah, okay. Wonderful. Okay, that's uh, something I've been wondering about for the last five years well, let's, <laughs> that I had them. So. so let's get those answers for you. Okay. All right. Thank you Wade. very much. Thank you very much, Wade. We really appreciate your phone call. Triple Eight Plan Rick. That's the number that you can call as well. Maybe you own an investment, and you now realize you're not so sure how it works. You're not so sure about the fees, or the liquidity, or the guarantees, or the rates of return, or the risks associated. Maybe you're beginning to wonder if you got the full story from whoever it was who provided you those investments. We're here to provide you a second opinion anytime. Triple Eight Plan Rick. No need for you to wonder and worry. We can give you the answers and give you the info so that you know exactly what you're dealing with. And you might even be pleasantly surprised that what you've got is exactly what you need. That peace of mind can help you sleep a lot easier. I'm Rick Edelman, and you're listening to The Truth About Money, Triple H Plan Rick. Or you can go visit us online at rickedelman.com and click that red button in the upper right corner, schedule a call, and we'll set a time with you to call you at your convenience. So either way, Triple H Plan Rick or online at rickedelman.com. with the founder of one of the nation's largest independent investment advisory firms, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. Isabel Barrow in the studio with me, continuing with our phone calls here on The Rick Edelman Show. We're heading off to East Lansing, Michigan. Mary's on the phone, if she has the guts. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you, Rick. I'm doing well. 
I have a traditional IRA, a 401k, and a 403b, and I was wondering if there was a recommended order of withdrawal by account type. Yes. Next question. <laughs> what is it? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they're all. I mean, it, I'm assuming based on what you've you've said here is a traditional IRA, a 403b, and a 401k. I'm assuming this is all pre-tax money. Yes. Okay, and you're retired. You're going to be taking money out. The question is, where do I take it from first? Well. Right. They're all taxed in the same way, so there's no rule that one has to come out before the other. I mean, yeah, as long as you're 59 and a half and older, you're allowed to take distributions from any of those accounts. The problem is, is that it may be a lot more complicated to take money out of your 401k and your 403b than your traditional IRA. So have you spoken with the plan administrators of these companies or these 401k, 403bs to determine what your distribution options are? No. Okay, so I'll take TIA-CREF for example. If you have a 403B with TIA-CREF and it's in a traditional type of fund, you may be limited in the way that you can take money out. So you might have to make a decision about that that's different than in your 401K or your traditional IRA. So that's something for you out there who have a a TIA-CREF account, you might want to think about that. In addition to issues associated by the provider, and that's a great example, Isabel, of TIA-CREF. Uh, in addition to the, the provider having rules, regulations, restrictions, policies, procedures, the IRS does too. And this adds another level of complication. And let me illustrate this for you. You've got money in a 401k, yes? Yes. And a 403b? Yes. And a traditional IRA? Yes. So here's how the IRS says you've got to make distributions uh, when you turn 70 and a half. You take the total value of all of those accounts and add it up and then withdraw from any of those accounts the amount necessary. So the IRS doesn't care, and I'll add a footnote in a moment to contradict what I just said. The IRS doesn't care which account you take the money from, provided you take the total amount required. So if you have five accounts, you don't have to take withdrawals from five. You can take all of the withdrawal from one that covers all five. Does that make sense? Perfect, yes. Except for the 401k. You do have to take the minimum from the 401k based on the 401k's value. If you take the amount due to withdraw from the 401k out of the IRA, you'll be deemed to have not taken enough money because you didn't take it specifically from the 401k. Why the IRS cares, I don't really understand, but they seem to care. Which means even though you take the the sufficient amount of money, failing to take it from the proper account could end up hitting you with a 50% penalty for a failure to withdraw the proper amount. Even though you did take the proper amount, you just didn't take it from the proper account. And what's funny is you could have 100 IRAs, and the, and the calculation will be the same. The IRS doesn't care how many you have. But you have one 401k, and it throws the whole thing into a loop. Yeah. So you have to be careful about not only the service provider's rules, but the IRS's rules, and make sure that you're paying attention to all of the above. It's absurdly complicated. And in fact, let's add another complication to it. When you go to add up the value of all of the accounts, most people add up the value on the day they're doing it. They just go to their online site and they say, what's the value of my IRA? What's the value of my 401k? And add it up together and that's the basis on which they take a withdrawal. Wrong. You have to use the value of the account as of the previous December 31. 
if you use the value of the count as of current, it might be lower than last December 31, which means you're not going to take enough money out because you're using it on a flawed market value. So after I figure out what my average is, I, ha- I just have to be sure that I take the minimum average from the 401k and no. I can take the balance of no. the average from the... No. no, 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 no. You have to do the 401k calculation separate and distinct from everything else. Okay. In other words, Mary, you shouldn't be trying to do this on your own. The likelihood you're going to get it right is minuscule. You should rely on your tax advisor and financial advisor, not only because we're more likely to get the number right, more likely than you, because we're good at this. We do this a lot, and what practice makes perfect, and you've never done it before. We've done it thousands of times. So not only are we more likely to get it accurate, if we get it wrong, we own that liability. So if we make a mistake that causes you to underpay your taxes, causing you to incur interest and penalties, any self-respecting, legitimate financial or tax advisor will own that liability and reimburse the client for that. Whereas if you do it on your own and you make the mistake, you're stuck with the consequences with the IRS. Gotcha. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's just yet another reason we feel that you're better off working with financial professionals instead of trying to do this on your own. Besides, it's incredibly dull and boring. Do you really want to be doing all that math? No. (laughs) Thank you. It wasn't a rhetorical question. Mary, thank you very much for the telephone call. We are about to rattle off a series of statistics. We're not going to ad lib on this. We're just going to read off the stats. And this data is coming from a variety of sources that we've accumulated. AgeWave, the Center for Retirement Research, CreditCards.com, the Employee Benefit Research Institute, Fidelity, Financial Engines, GoBankingRates.com, the Insured Retirement Institute, J.P. Morgan, LIMRA, the Social Security Administration, and Standard & Poor's. Take it away, Isabel. More than half of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement, and one in three have nothing saved. 76% of baby boomers are not confident that they have enough money saved for retirement. 68% wish they'd saved more. 67% wish they'd saved sooner. Average retirement age is 64 for men and 62 for women, but 55% retired earlier than they expected, with health being the number one reason. A third of workers expect to never retire. A couple that retired in 2015, who are both age 65, will spend nearly a quarter of a million dollars on health care throughout their retirement. One quarter of employees are not saving enough money to receive their employer's 401k match. And on average, they're missing out on an extra $1,300 a year or $24 billion annually. Millennials who start their careers with $30,000 in student loans end up with $300,000 less in retirement. Women have 26% less in retirement savings than men, and they're 27% more likely than men to have no retirement savings. Two-thirds of women have under $10,000 saved. Only 33% of adults, one out of three, can correctly answer three out of four financial concepts involving risk, diversification, inflation, numeracy, and compound interest. 60% of employees feel stressed about their finances. Without reform, Social Security benefits will need to be cut by 33% starting in 2033. Couples age 65 today are 97% likely that at least one of them lives another 10 years and 89% likely that one of them gets to age 80. 60% of retirees 
don't budget for leisurely pursuits as they save for retirement. Although you might dream of learning a new skill or pursuing a hobby in retirement, it's not going to happen if you don't have the resources to do so. So factoring in entertainment expenses is crucial to a well-planned retirement. In fact, you might want to plan for even more leisurely expenses given the free time that retirement allows. In 1991, only 2.1% of those filing for bankruptcy were 65 or older. Now it's over 10%. 15 million adults in a romantic relationship have a credit card, a checking account, or a savings account that their partner or spouse doesn't know about. 31% of those in a relationship think that keeping a credit card or checking or savings account secret from a partner is worse than cheating sexually. Only 52% of people strongly believe that their spouse or partner is being honest with them about money. So those are the shocking statistics. I hope you find them startling. I hope you find them motivational so that you can begin to do something positive about your personal finances. And to help you do that, we are offering a new free service for you. It's called My Free Retirement Review. And it's available to you at edelmanfinancial.com slash review. And here's what it's all about. You know that retirement is on your mind. You know you're thinking about it more than ever. Maybe you've recently retired or retirement is fast approaching. Either way, you know you're going to live longer than ever. You're going to live longer than your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your elders before them. And the real question is whether your money's going to last as long as you do. So to help you figure it out, to help you see if you are on track, we are offering you a free retirement review. And it's available to you. All you got to do is sign up for it. Just visit www.edelmanfinancial.com slash review. You can also, of course, call us at AAA Plan Rick and ask for it over the phone. We'll help you get it set up. It's real simple. You'll meet with one of our colleagues at Edelman Financial, and through that process, you will receive a written report showing you whether or not you have enough money to achieve your retirement goals. This is for free. There's no obligation. We're offering this for you. It's available for just a limited time because we're quite frankly not sure <laughs> if we're going to get crushed by the demand on That's this right. or not. Um, so uh, we invite you to take advantage of this while we're offering it so that you can see if you're going to have enough money to last your entire retirement. And all you got to do to get your free retirement review is to visit www.edelmanfinancial.com slash review. Or call us at 888-PLAN-RICK and you can ask for it over the telephone and we'll be glad to provide it to you as well. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money. Stay with us. We'll be back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Providing personal finance advice for over 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, 
here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth About Money. Rick Edelman here. We're featuring some of our favorite calls today. Remember, my colleagues and I are happy to uh, help you. We're standing by to take your phone calls anytime during the week. Just go to our website at rickedelman.com and click on that red button, Schedule a Call. You'll enter the day and the time that you want us to call you. So you don't have to worry about phone tag. You're welcome to call us at 888-PLAN-RICK, of course. But you don't have to. You can just go to rickedelman.com, and at the top uh, right corner of the main page is schedule a call. And we'll call you when you want us to. So go to rickedelman.com and schedule a call. So let's head back to some of our favorite phone calls. Isabel Barrow with me in the studio. We're heading off to uh, Michigan. Richard's with us on the telephone. Welcome to the program, Richard. What can we do for you? I, I, um, I, I, I've listened to your show, Rick, and I, I enjoy the advice and the questions that come in, but here's what I'm struggling with. I'm 56, going on 57. Uh, I've accumulated wealth, and I know I need financial advice, but how do I know that the person that's going to help me is, is the right person for me? I don't know anything about them. You know, I'm going to turn over everything I've built and trust my future on somebody I've never met. Yeah. It's a really, really important question and a daunting one, and I think this is what stops some people from moving forward with hiring an advisor. Let me ask you this. Is your question a concern about their trustworthiness, meaning you're afraid that the guy will prove to be Bernie Madoff and steal your money, or are you simply concerned about the competency of the the validity and accuracy of the quality of the advice itself? Which of the two are you concerned about? I'd say the competency. Okay. You know, it's kind of like, it's not like I'm coming in to get the next used car off the lot and gotcha. this guy's name's next, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Who do I... Who do I end up with? Yeah, yeah, okay. And because the, the how we would have this conversation would depend on whether you're worried about being ripped off or simply worried about being with a bad, you know, an unskilled advisor. So if you're concerned about their competency and capabilities, you want to check them out first. I mean, the way you would a washing machine. You know, you don't just, you know, buy the first washing machine you see in the store or online. You do research. You check them out. And it's really easy to do that these days, many advisors, and, and what I'm about to say will seem a little bit self-serving because of some of the strategies I'll give you, but you can check out advisors increasingly these days. Many have written books like I have, or they do seminars like we do, or they have uh, articles or content on their website like we do, uh, where you can check them out and see if you are in agreement with the advice that they give and the strategies they offer. Uh, You can also talk to friends and family for recommendations. You can look at the advisor's history and track record. Uh, If the advisor's brand new, they've been in this business a few months or a year or two, and don't have a lot of demonstrated experience serving people who are like you, then that is clearly a red flag. On the other hand, going to someone who has a long track record, we've been doing this for over 30 years, uh, for thousands of families across the country helps give you some confidence level. More specifically, I will tell you to go to our website at rickedelman.com. There's an article on the main page that is called 18 Questions to Ask Your Advisor. It's called How to Choose a Financial Advisor. And we list 18 questions that you should ask any advisor you're thinking of hiring. And we also show you what the answers ought to be 
For example, how long you've been in business? What are the services you provide? What are the kinds of clients you serve? Because you want to know that this advisor has a history of serving people like you. I mean, if you're super wealthy, you don't want an advisor who serves people getting out of debt. And if you're struggling to get out of debt, you don't want to hire an advisor who serves the super wealthy because there will be a, a mix match there. You know, if you need surgeon, you don't go to a, a chiropractor. You know, So who you hire should be related to the needs that you have. Uh, you want to know uh, what their compensation is. How do they charge? Are the, is it fees or is it commissions? Isabel can come up with some other questions as well. A really important one, I think, is when you talk to them, do you understand what they're saying? Are they talking in jargon and saying, oh, trust me, you know, I know what I'm doing? Or are they explaining to you and educating you on their investment methodology and all the ins and outs of what their services are, what they're going to offer you? Do you understand what they're saying, bottom line? Are they a fiduciary? And to your point, you know, how long have they been doing it? And their age isn't a factor, right? Because somebody could be 50 years old and 60 years old and they're a job changer. And a lot of people have retired from the military or they're a former school teacher. So they're in their 50s, but they're brand new as an advisor. So don't let age fool you into, th into thinking they have more experience than they really do. Y yeah, exactly. And I think another, another big one is will... If they're working for a firm, does everyone in the firm use the same investment methodology? Or are they kind of going rogue and saying, well, this is my way of doing things and this is why, not operating under any sort of uh, investment strategy for everyone they work with? What are the investments you personally own? And do you own the investments you're recommending that I buy? Because very often, a lot of people in this field are recommending investments to clients they would never personally buy for themselves. Or the investments they're recommending you today are totally different from the investments they recommended five years ago or 15 years ago. There's no consistency or continuity to the investment strategies. And as Isabel said, where did they come up with this idea? Was it on their own? What's their background and training in terms of portfolio management and investment selection? And do you need help with insurance, with taxes, with mortgages, with employee benefits, with estate planning? If you need assistance in these areas, you want to make sure the advisor has experience and competency in those areas. Many advisors now have a professional designation. I have six. You hold a RFC designation. Yes. Uh, registered financial consultant designation. Yes. I mean, everybody's got some designation or other in our industry that's available, and it demonstrates their focus of expertise, their level of experience. Uh, so you should want to know that this advisor has some area of expertise or experience as often demonstrated by the attainment of a designation. Hasten to add that designations generally don't have any government recognition. It's not like an MD or a JD or a CPA. Uh, but they do demonstrate an effort toward continuing education and deep uh, dive knowledge in, in a certain area of, of the field. So there are lots of different ways you can go about this. The 18 questions we offer you on our website will give you a good guide so that you can effectively interview a variety of advisors at a variety of firms. And by comparison shopping, just like you would do for a washing machine, you'll be more likely to end up with an advisor who's good for you. All right. Well, as an example, say I go into your uh, business in Troy, and uh, I interview somebody, and I'm like, mm, I don't think it's a good fit. Can I talk to the next guy, or how do you approach that? Sure. If if you we discover in our practice in particular, we have 160 advisors all around the country, and it's uncommon for someone to say, "I really don't like Harvey." You know, we didn't get along. We didn't click. Or you know, he's too tall. He's too young. He's too 
got a beard, you know, like I do. <laughs> Who knows what? It's uncommon, but it happens. And if so, you just let us know, and we can have you talk with another person in our firm. I'll tell you what we generally don't allow is someone to shop us, meaning I want to talk to every, everybody in your office so I can decide which one I like best. Because the reason we don't allow that is it's unnecessary because we work as a team. So if you talk to Isabel, you're going to get the same advice, the same methodology, all based on the same philosophy as you get from me, as you get from all of the Harveys uh, and Janes throughout our firm's practice. So you're not going to get different advice by talking to different planners. If there's a personality thing, sure, we're happy to adjust and and. and uh, accommodate you in that regard. But you really don't need to worry about shopping from one to another in our firm because we're all working as a team. We're all working in a unified, consistent manner. That's not true at many other firms. Many other firms do have different planners doing their own thing. And it might make sense for you to interview each of them because the level of service or the area of focus or the attitude about investing might differ f from one person to the next. You know, at, at Merrill Lynch with 16,000 brokers, they're doing 16,000 different things. There isn't firm-based continuity within that organization, which means your experience with one Merrill broker will be very different from your experience with a different Merrill broker. And shopping within Merrill could make sense. It's unnecessary at Edelman Financial because we do everything from the top. We do everything on a firm-wide basis that eliminates the fear that one of us is going to wake up in a bad mood telling you to sell everything in a panic. So I hope that's helpful to you, Richard. It is. It is. Yep. It's just that, you know, like I say, I've kind of done it on my own, but I know I need help and getting the right person is I want to make sure I do it right. Absolutely. Perfectly understandable. And I would say that you should take baby steps. In other words, don't make the big, huge decision of I'm going to turn over my life savings to a fellow I just met. That's a daunting challenge, and we never would recommend that. Instead, take baby steps. Go to a seminar that we offer and have a conversation with one of our advisors in the back of the room uh, and see if you enjoy that dialogue. And if you do, uh, go and meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we'll be happy to schedule an appointment where you could spend a couple of hours with them and see if you enjoy that conversation. And if you do, agree to a further conversation. And by the end of that process, you'll have a much higher comfort level as to whether you should move forward or not. So don't feel that you've got to make a big, huge decision immediately. Take it slow, at your pace, uh, to where you're comfortable. Okay. Great. And if you ever you. do encounter someone who does urgently, with high pressure, encourage you to quickly sign on the bottom line, that's a pretty good warning sign that that's someone you don't want to deal with. Okay. Thanks so much for the phone call. I'm Rick Edelman with Isabel Barrow. Triple Eight Plan Rick online at ricedelman.com. More with the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here on The Truth About Money. Uh, you know we've been talking with you relentlessly about the biggest financial crisis facing America. It is Social Security. Adding along, tagging to that, Medicare and Medicaid, these three combined, if we don't fix them, could well bankrupt the country and Americans along with it. And that's why I have 
joined forces with the Bipartisan Policy Center to create the initiative Funding Our Future, uh, a grassroots organization to get Congress to pay attention to this issue and, frankly, us giving them permission to do so without their being threatened with being thrown out of office. Uh, so I, I'm very happy to bring to the program Bill Hoagland onto this show. He's the senior vice president at the Bipartisan Policy Center, where he helps direct and manage fiscal health and economic policy analysis. Before that, he was a VP of public policy for Cigna and for 25 years, a member of the Senate staff, where while he was there, roll call consistently named him one of the top 50 staffers on Capitol Hill. Bill, welcome to the program. Uh, good to be with you. You have a little bit of a different take on this subject. When we normally talk about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, you know, the most common approach when people naturally talk about this is, well, you either have to cut benefits or raise taxes. Uh, And those are kind of obvious things to do. Uh, But your view is a little bit different, that part of the answer to fixing our retirement problem in this country is actually fixing the national debt. Absolutely. Um, As you say, we don't often talk about it this way, but part of our retirement uh, problem is uh, making sure that we uh, address uh, accumulating national debt. Um, currently, we are running somewhere in the neighborhood of about a $20 trillion uh, level of debt that's out there. This is the difference between surpluses and deficits since the beginning of the republic. And the projections of that debt is going to continue to grow over the next uh, decade and uh, driven in large part by the aging of the population. And so while Social Security and Medicare are clearly bedrocks uh, programs for all senior Americans, they also it's also necessary to focus upon the level of debt that we're uh, putting out there and leveling on our future generations. So finding a way to control that level of debt is a Rubik's Cube. It's kind of difficult, of course, but since Medicare and Social Security are some of the biggest programs that are also contributing to our growing debt, We need to find a way to focus on reforms of those programs to make sure they are available and sustainable for future generations, but also to make sure that they're not adding additional debt that does the improvements that we would make in modifying the programs for the future. And we really uh, do have a, uh, a ticking clock here because the Social Security Trust Fund is predicted to run out of money somewhere around 2030, give or take a couple of years. Uh, uh, right now, I think the current estimate is 2035. And that means, quite frankly, if anybody, any of your listeners uh, today, um, if they are uh, uh, expecting to have early retirement um, at 62 or full retirement, by that year, if they're under the age of 49 today, um, that uh, that trust fund will exhaust in 2035. So it's it's uh, it's something that people should start to focus on. And uh, if it does exhaust, and if we don't do something with that program, then we will end up with a situation where, when they reach that retirement age, which is important for funding the future, they will find that that major program uh, that they were counting on is not going to be able to fund the benefits that they had anticipated. In fact, they would be reduced roughly in the neighborhood of 20 to 20, 25% from what uh, they think they were going to get uh, starting today. And just to so put it's that in critical that we make that reform. Just to put that into context, uh, more than half of today's retirees get more than half of their income from Social Security. So if you're talking about cutting Social Security by 25%, that could be pushing millions of retirees into poverty. 
That's correct. I think uh, it is a basic program that has lifted uh, individuals out of poverty, particularly the lower um, lower income groups out here. The formula, of course, for the Social Security program is uh, benefits are are very progressive in the sense that. Uh, the amount that's paid in, the, the individual receives back more than they pay in at the lower incomes and less than as they go up the income scale. So it is a critical, not only for retirement security, it is a poverty reduction program also for our elderly population. And while this may seem to be a problem for lower income Americans, and I think it's fair to bet that the audience of this program tends to be higher income Americans, right. as is the nature of a personal finance right. radio show, that doesn't mean it isn't a problem for the people who are listening, because if the lower income Americans are losing a substantial amount of their incomes, forcing them into poverty, I think it's a fair bet that lawmakers are going to respond to that issue by asking the higher-income Americans, those who are listening to the show, to kick over more of their money in taxes to help subsidize the lower-income Americans who are in desperate need of the help. And to your point, uh, Tim, it's exactly the case that uh, we do have programs on the books that are specifically designed as a safety net program, and if more people drop into fall through the safety net, then they're going to be picked up with our other programs that are on the books to maintain some basic level of subsistence out there, whether that is the SNAP program, the old food stamp program, whether that is TANF, the Target uh, Temporary Assistance for new, uh, Needy Families programs, or the SSI program, all those programs would automatically increase. So absolutely, uh, there would, uh, by not maintaining this particular program, the, the cost there would still be a cost to the American public and to the taxpayer out there. And so I'm not trying to scare people, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to scare people. I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to get people to recognize this is a huge issue. It, we see it coming by the within 15, 20 years. If yes. we don't do something about it, it's going to be a world of hurt for everybody, regardless of where you are on the economic spectrum, for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. And that is why we created with your organization, Bill, the Bipartisan Policy Center, the Funding Our Future initiative designed to raise awareness for consumers and to encourage consumers to contact their representatives in Congress, giving them the motivation they need to tackle these issues. Because at the moment, nobody on Capitol Hill is even talking about this. Correct. And and the longer we postpone this discussion, it is a hard discussion. Let's be clear about it. The longer we dis- uh, postpone the discussion, the harder the decisions will be and the more difficult the decisions will be when we actually do face that exhaustion around 2035. So let me give you an analogy for this for everybody uh, who's listening and really trying to struggle with why is it so important for us to be talking about this in 2018? I mean, after all, you're talking about something about 2035. We've got, all got more urgent issues today than uh, dealing with something in 15 years. So this is why we encourage you to go to our website that we've created in conjunction with the Bipartisan Policy Center. Center so that you can learn more about this issue, the urgency of this issue, and how you can reach your member of Congress in both the House and the Senate so that you can encourage them to tackle this conversation right now. I'm really excited that uh, the Bipartisan Policy Center has uh, agreed to join forces with me on this issue. It's an outstanding organization that doesn't take sides in the political debate, looking for rational, reasonable, and politically palatable solutions to the nation's biggest problems. And, And Bill, I really appreciate your taking the time to be on the program with us today. 
Thank you very much. You're very welcome. That's Bill Hoagland, Senior Vice President of the Bipartisan Policy Center. We invite you to go to our brand new website, fundingourfuture.us, so that you can learn about the Social Security crisis and sign up so that you'll be kept informed as to our progress. That's fundingourfuture.us. And I'm Rick Edelman. You can reach us at 888-PLAN-RICK and rickedelman.com. Learn how to diversify your investments. Try Rick's free guide to portfolio selection at rickedelman.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here with Isabel Barrow, Associate Director of Financial Planning at Edelman Financial Services. And we're taking telephone calls, heading off to Fairfax, Virginia. Roger, you're on the air. How you doing? Pretty good. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Um, what I've been doing is uh, looking about 10 years down the road towards uh, retirement and the situation of having to take the RMDs from my IRAs and uh, Social Security. And it kind of struck me that I'm going to be in a pretty high tax bracket. And I was wondering if there was a strategy to try to mitigate the impact of uh, paying a lot well, of taxes. All right. Well, first of all, first of all... <laughs> You're in a high tax bracket compared to what? Back in the 1970s, you would have been in the 75% tax bracket. Oh, I understand that. So, okay. So I'm teasing with you a little bit. Second of all, second of all, paying taxes is a good thing because it means you're making a lot of money. I mean, I can make your tax bracket zero if you really want me to. (laughs) I'm not sure you. So I'm just teasing with you, Roger. So, you know, there's no question, Isabel. People are faced with paying a lot of taxes and boy it's a big ding so roger's asking a pretty reasonable question despite my teasing yeah how do you lower your tax bracket in today's tax code well there's one kind of escape clause i guess for lack of a better word for your required minimum distribution but it works on an assumption that you don't need the money so if you do all this great financial planning and you get to age 70 and a half and you have your required minimum distribution and you say, well, I really don't need all of this. There is a way that you may be able to avoid paying some of the tax if you want to distribute that money directly to a charity and say, there you go. And you can have some of my required minimum distribution. You don't have to pay tax on that portion. Up to, there's some mm. limits around there. And you've got to be 70 and a half to be able to do that. You do, yeah. And, and like right. I said, there are some limits. So that's one way to do it. That's right. like my idea of just give your money away and you'll be in the zero tax bracket. There you so, go. Problem solved. Um, so, so in other words, there's really, a, other than that, Roger, there's really not an effective way to avoid taxes on the RMD, which means we go back to my two teasing points of saying this money has been in retirement accounts, IRAs and 401ks and whatnot, for your entire working career. You haven't paid taxes on this money in 30 or 40 years, and finally you got to pay the piper. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. In other words, you've been at this fabulous restaurant. You've had a wonderful meal, terrific service from the waiter, fabulous bottle of wine. You've really enjoyed yourself for the past couple of hours. And the bill just showed up. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it is. So you were much better off 
not paying taxes for 30 years. That's how you generated this big bucket of money. But now it's time to give the IRS what the IRS has been patiently waiting for. Well, the the other thing I wanted to run by you is that um, when I saw the situation with the potential tax situation, I basically, when I changed uh, employment, I started contributing to a, a Roth 401k. Uh, so hopefully I have some diversity in setting that up and, you know. You mean diversity not, from a tax perspective? Correct, correct. Yeah, but and, again, and, that's and, a McDonald's scenario. All you did was yeah. pay the taxes up front so yeah. that you don't have to pay the taxes later. It didn't really increase your profits at all. All you did was shift the timing of the tax payment. Yeah. No, no, I understand that. Like I said, I just couldn't, because uh, I know your stance as far as going uh, Roth or traditional, and uh, uh, I think, well, I'll just kind of split the bucket here and see how that uh, so takes from there. So the current tax code is really, I would argue, and sometimes I do on this program, Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> that we should go back to the tax code of the 70s before we had Tax Reform Act in 1986. Because when we had a 70, 75 percent top tax bracket, we also had so many deductions, exemptions, exclusions and credits that by playing a lot of games, you could get your taxes down to 30 percent which is where everybody is right now. Mm-hmm. But you felt really good about it, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? So it felt like we had to right. go through all the hassle of figuring out our tax return, but we accomplished a lot. Now it's just as automatic. You're in the 25% bracket, period, end of story. There's no fun. They've taken away all our toys. And so we feel like we're paying taxes with no benefit. We're going through the hassles of tax prep with nothing to show for it. So I would argue, let's go back to the old days. Right. Makes it feel like it's on sale. You know, you exactly. see something at forty yeah. percent off. It's you know, it's the Thaler set. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, so I'm, I'm saying that only a little bit tongue in cheek. So, in other words, the new tax code, Roger, is very clear: make the money, pay the tax, move on. Understood. Appreciate your comments. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for the phone call. We really appreciate it. I'm Rick Edelman, and with Isabel Barrow, let me posit to you this question: You retire at age sixty-five. You're now age 83, okay? You've been retired for 18 years. How much of your money is left? You know how much you started with at age 65. You're now almost two decades into retirement. How much of your money is left? And we found a pretty positive survey out of the Employee Benefit Research Institute. And so so often you see these, Rick, and it shows that you're almost out of money or you enter retirement with next to nothing accumulated. But in this study, on average, across all wealth levels, over the almost two-decade period that you mentioned, from age 65 to 83, most retirees still have 80% of their pre-retirement savings. That's, that's very exciting news, because I think a lot of folks are assuming that Americans are spending themselves into poverty, that they aren't going to be able to maintain their standard of living. And this research from Ebre says just the opposite. Well, and one-third of the households had more in assets 17 years down the road. So very positive signs about retirement. And it begs the question, you know, this is a survey of a bunch of different people, but what you really care about, what you really want to know is how are you doing or how are you going to do? And it's not just merely a haphazard survey of folks. This is based on census data and examination over a 20-year period of time. And the important element here is that it didn't matter how much money you had to start with. The folks who began retirement with a half a million dollars or more, 20 years later, they've still got 83% of their money. But the people who had the least amount of money from nothing to 200 grand, 
they still had 80% of their money left, which means you're not spending enough. You're not spending enough. Uh, I mean, well, everybody's fearful of running out of money, right? And so, rightfully so. You don't know how long you're going to live. And so the worst thing you can do is spend like you're going to have a 10-year retirement and you live 30 years and you're broke and destitute for 20 years. So it, you do have to get it right. You don't want to overspend because yeah, the consequences are dire. I, I but remember, your point is – I remember getting watching my mother get in a really big fight with my grandfather, her dad, because she wanted to buy him a new television. And he had to get out of his chair. He was aging, health not doing as great, and he had to get out of his chair and walk across the room to change the channel. Mm. And she's like, Dad, let me get you a TV with a remote control. And he was too frugal. He wouldn't do it. He, it was, I remember there was such a fight. It was hysterical. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, she bought him one, right? Because it was the only way he was going to end up with a new TV. But he could have afforded it. He could have gotten himself a TV, but he wouldn't do it. And so I get... You know, we are trying to strike that balance, and I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek about it. But um... Well, and there's such a correlation between that frugal person, your grandfather, and achieving retirement success. And so it's hard to break those habits that we have over our lifetime. How do you go from an entire life of saving money and acting responsibly and protecting for the future to then shifting gears to being a spender rather than a saver? It's very hard for people to do. I frankly am thrilled to confirm that Americans aren't dumb, that no matter how much money I've got, I realize this is all the money I'm ever going to have, and I'm going to be careful and prudent with it and not be a spendthrift so that I don't end up being broke and a burden to my children. And I think this is wonderful evidence. If a typical American is capable of preserving over a 20-year period 80% of what they started with, and as you pointed out, Brandon, a third of them ended up with more money after 17 years, wow, that's exciting. I think uh, we're getting it right. Now, we also have to acknowledge a rising stock market over the past 20 years certainly helped. Well, that's made a big, big difference. And, you know, the last nine years, we've been talking about it year after year now. We've had the wind a little bit at our back when it comes to stock market returns. So there's no doubt if the market falls over the next couple of years, you've got to ask yourself, well, how do the numbers change? And ultimately, you've got to ask yourself, how would your numbers change? And we encourage you to talk to us. Come to our new seminar why? Technology is threatening jobs. It's changing longevity. It's impacting investment management and all of the other aspects of college planning, retirement planning, career planning. And that's why we want you to come to the seminar. You'll learn about estate planning as well and a lot more. And it's just $15 a person, $25 a couple. You can register online at rickedelman.com. Get the full schedule of where we're bringing the seminar to a town near you so that you can take advantage of all of this information. Stay tuned to The Rick Edelman Show. Money doesn't come with instructions. More of your questions coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Let's continue with our telephone calls. Brandon Corso with me here in the studio off to Spotsylvania, Virginia. Jim, you're on the air. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to both of you today. Thank you. How can we help? I have a stock portfolio, and it is managed, and I have been uh, considering moving. 
Uh, to a different company. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And one I've been looking at is yours. And I'm trying to find out if it's really worth the uh, cost of rolling it over. I'm mostly in all stocks and bonds. Mm-hmm. So to go over, I know that you deal with ETFs. I guess I would have to sell everything and move it into the program that you have. And I'm just wondering what the cost of all that, if that is something that would be... So that's a great question, Jim, and thank you for the honor of of considering us uh, as the firm you want to rely on for your financial and investment advice. There are two questions you always have to ask. Uh, What are the expenses associated with the transaction, and is it worth it? So, Brandon, what are the two costs that investors theoretically might incur if they move their assets from one advisor to another? Well, one is what Jim is focusing on, and rightfully so, if he has securities and primarily stocks that have gone up in value, if he goes to a new advisor who analyzes his holdings and says, these are not the most optimal or most appropriate portfolio for your situation, we need to sell them. And if that generates a capital gain, he's going to owe taxes. Now, the good news is, Jim, you would know what that number is. And you said you have to do it. You don't have to do anything. There could be circumstances or situations where one security is held or two securities are held, and so that would be part of the process. The other cost might be transaction expenses, and perhaps a more important one is what is the ongoing expense, both where Jim is now compared to what he would move to. And so, Jim, there shouldn't be any surprises. If you analyze this, you wouldn't have to do anything. You would do it only if it made sense for your situation and you felt good about moving forward. Now, let me ask you a question. Tell me a little bit about your advisor, the one that you have right now. How long have you worked with this person or the firm? Uh, 10 to 12 years. Which is a pretty long time. And so what's going on that you are evaluating perhaps leaving? With my stocks, I have uh, 33 stocks involved in what I uh, now own. And I'm just kind of worried from hearing Rick in the past talking about uh, not having enough cables on the elevator, I guess. Okay. Do you have ongoing communication with the advisor? Have you expressed maybe questions or concern about your portfolio? Um, Yes, I have, actually. And uh, actually, I had less stocks. I've purchased of less stocks at the time. And now we've kind of expanded it some. So, you know, create more, I guess, cables on the elevator. In other words, greater diversification. You have all of these stocks are U.S.-based stocks? Yes. Yes, they don't deal with anything overseas at all. Yeah, so it sounds... That's another thing that I was kind of wanting to get into also. It would seem that the level of diversification isn't as extensive as it could otherwise be. We build portfolios inside the Edelman Managed Asset Program that have thousands of stocks because we're doing it with exchange-traded funds, ETFs, as well as institutional class uh, mutual funds and uh, index funds. And so uh, these kinds of investments are able to provide global-based diversification across a wider range of asset classes and market sectors, more so than just owning a a couple of dozen um, U.S. stocks. So that is a difference, no question about it. Uh, So 
to further Brandon's questioning, um, do you get any other services from your current advisor beyond investment advice? Do you get advice on broader financial planning topics? Um, I have. Uh, I haven't really moved on it, but I have a handicapped son, so uh, we've discussed getting a, uh, a trust for him mm-hmm. without funding it yet, of course, because mm-hmm. uh, can't have any money. Or it interferes with social service support. That's correct. Yeah, so, so this is the kind of evaluation that is appropriate for you to take. In other words, we have to ask ourselves when you're looking to either hire an advisor or possibly change advisors, you simply have to ask yourself, what are the services that I need? What is the area of advice that is of value to me? For example, if you have a disabled child in the family, that's a big deal. Uh, What are the other circumstances that you're dealing with? Employee benefits or insurance, taxes, mortgages, college planning, retirement planning, estate planning, uh, as well as, of course, investment management. So you have to evaluate what are the services that I am in need of. Is my current advisor providing them to me as effectively as I want for a fee that is appropriate? And if not, then you're right to begin a search for an alternative advisor. And when you do that, as Brandon said, the new advisor will evaluate, or should at least, evaluate your total current situation and tell you up front what it would cost you to make the switch. Are there surrender charges you'd incur by selling the old investments? Are there tax implications associated? In many cases, there are zero. For example, if the money's in an IRA account, there are no tax liabilities, if you do it right, to move the money from A to B. And you may own investments that don't incur any expenses uh, or fees to sell them. So it could cost zero to make the switch. Or we might discover that it's ridiculously expensive to make the switch and hard to justify. We may discover, for example, that you have an investment uh, that has a maturity in six months. So instead of selling it now, incurring a cost, let's wait until it matures and then you can move it for free. Sometimes it might be a year or two before that can happen. In some cases, we've seen clients, frankly, near death due to their health or age situation. And quite frankly, the advice is wait because the tax liabilities go away upon death as opposed to moving the money now. So for all sorts of reasons, we might say to you, don't make any changes. Don't leave that advisor. Don't sell those investments. Uh, It depends on individual circumstances. So you want to know all of this up front, which a new proposed advisor should be willing to tell you in detail. Here's what it's going to cost. Here's the implication. Here's how it's going to work and whether or not it's in your best interest. And I think it's fair to say, Brandon, Not all the time do we agree with a client that they should move. Very true. And people often ask at the very beginning of a conversation, how will I know if it's a good fit if I should become a client? And I don't know that there is a strong definition I can give, but what does happen is if you spend two hours with an advisor, at least at our firm, that's usually about the length of the first meeting, give or take, and you talk about the situation and the goals that you're trying to achieve for you and your family, and then you come back for a meeting you know, a week or two later and spend another two hours with that length of time, you usually do have instinct and gut and you just kind of know if the fit is right. And the good news is if you're dealing with a new advisor who has a fee schedule that is not commission-based, meaning you're not paying based on transactions, the fee schedule does not obligate you to any long-term commitments, meaning you can invest today and liquidate tomorrow uh, so that you, uh, other than changes in market value, you aren't incurring any expenses, no surrender charges, no commissions or illiquidity or anything like that. Uh, It uh, makes it easier to to do. It's not like you're buying a car and you better hope you like it because you're stuck with it for four years. Uh, That can be a very easy way to do it. I'll also mention a self-serving 
approach. Brandon gave the best answer, which is spend a couple of hours with the advisor, see if you're getting along, see if you like them. Also, you can check them out in action in other ways if the advisor offers this. I say this is self-serving because we certainly do this. I've written nine books. You can check out our advice and our style from reading any of my books. We offer seminars. And so you can go to a seminar and spend a couple of hours with us and see if you like the content, the information, the style of its presentation, and you'll get to meet staff in a very informal uh, group setting. You can also, of course, tune to this radio show, my television show on public television and our our public television specials, and again, again, to, to do test drives to see if you're liking it. So if the advisor you're contemplating hiring has similar vehicles, you know, if they've written any books or offer any newsletters or uh, do any seminars, you can check them out in a rather casual, informal, low-risk, low-impact way to help you gain confidence in your decision as to whether they're an advisor for you. So all the above is a good approach, Tim. I would encourage you to continue your conversations with us until you feel comfortable that your questions and concerns are resolved to your satisfaction. Okay, very good. So thank you so much for calling again. We're, we're honored that you would consider us and really appreciate it. You can do what Jim did and call us at 888 plan and we'll answer your question as well. Uh, I'll also add one final point. On our website at rickedelman.com is an article called How to Choose a Financial Advisor, and it explains the 18 questions, yeah, 18 of them, that you should ask an advisor that you're thinking of hiring. You might even ask these questions of your current advisor. It describes how to evaluate their experience, skill set, services provided, their compensation and fees and expenses, so that you have the ammunition you need to make sure that the advisor you're hiring is the advisor who's best for you. These days, it's really all about choosing your investment advisor, not so much choosing the investments themselves. That's what your advisor does for you. In today's global economy, it's often a better approach. You know, if you're trying to figure out the key answer to the one question that is dominant in the retirement planning issue is real simple. Do I have enough money to retire? Will I, in fact, be able to retire in comfort? We have a solution for you. We're now offering to provide you a free retirement review. And it's available to you. Just go to edelmanfinancial.com slash review or call us at 888-PLAN-RICK. That'll do it for us here today. I'm Rick Edelman. Remember, if you love the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. See you next week. Get the truth about money every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.